I am debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. We learned last week that Paul said in the word debtor that it conveys the idea of literally being a prisoner or owing something to someone. And he says, I'm a prisoner to the gospel and I'm a prisoner. I owe what I owe people is the gospel. I'm debtor to the Greeks, that's to those that are educated, and to the barbarians, that's those that are uneducated. Both to the wise and the unwise, and his implication in verse 14 was that, and everybody in between fits in one of the categories, that, 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 that the gospel is for everybody. So as much as in me is, he said, I am ready. So in verse 14, he said, I am prisoner. In verse 15, he says, I am prepared. You see that? I am ready to preach the gospel. To you who are in Rome also. Why did Paul write this letter? Why was he moved by the Holy Spirit to pen this? Well, there at Rome, there was a mixture in the church. There were were Jews who were converted to Christ. Those Jews, unfortunately, just like all of us are prone to do, carried some of their previous baggage into their Christian experience. And instead of viewing others and themselves through God's lens, they were viewing others through their own lens. And so they believed that the other believers in the church ought to act like the Jewish believers. They ought to do what the Jewish believers did and do and So you had the Jewish believers, then you had the Gentile believers. The Gentile believers didn't, they didn't regard the Jewish rituals and things like that. They didn't give a hoot that their Jewish brothers were Jews. It didn't bother them, but it didn't impress them either. So you had Gentile converts, you had Jewish converts, and those Gentile converts and Jewish converts made up the church. But the Jewish converts thought that the Gentile converts should do things like be circumcised. They ought to give heed to God's instructions to the Jewish nation. And, but the Lord didn't intend that. So you had this conflict. Isn't it amazing that in every single church, I don't care what church it is, there's some kind of conflict in the church. Not just true in the New Testament, but true in 2019. <laughs> Unfortunately, that's just the way it is. And there's always going to be conflict of some kind. There's always going to be the need for sound Bible preaching and teaching because we all need not just to get on one another's page. That's not what makes the difference. God wants us to get on his page. And all of us, because we still live in this world and live in this body of flesh and we still deal with our own selves, All of us are still in need of the grace of God and His help in our lives and spiritual growth and true Christian growth. And that's why the Lord led the Apostle Paul to write this to these Gentile Christians and Jewish Christians. And he says to them in verse 15 that I'm ready to preach to you who are in Rome also. He's writing this from Corinth. And then our text, like last week, Verse 16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. This is the verse that Miss Susie quoted a while ago. I am not ashamed of Christ's 
gospel. Remember a while ago we said, Paul said that he stated emphatically he didn't want to be ashamed at the coming of Christ. One of the things he says, I am not ashamed about. I'm not ashamed of Jesus nor his gospel. Now last week we talked about all the reasons why, or at least three of the reasons. We learned that Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the greatest story ever told. He said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because of the work that it does and the transformation that it produces in every life. He says, it's the power of God unto salvation. And then he said, number three, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's for everybody. It's to everyone who believes to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. And last week we answered the question why he wasn't ashamed, but today we want to go a little further and a little deeper and find out what does that look like? What does that look like in our lives? What exactly does that mean? How do we, as we say, flesh that out? How do we live that out in 2019? How did Paul live that out? What did that mean for Paul? As he lived out this statement that he's not ashamed of the gospel. What does that mean for you and I? What does that look like in the life of a Christian who is serious about the gospel? Well, first of all, I want to say to you, and I want you to listen carefully. I want to say that if I'm not ashamed of the gospel, that means I am not ashamed to embrace it. I'm not ashamed to embrace it. It's interesting if you look back at verse 1. Leave your Bible open here please to the first chapter in Romans. Paul says, look at verse 1. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, watch this. Called to be an apostle. The word apostle there means a sent one. In other words, today in our modern day vernacular, we would call him a missionary. That's how we would translate that word. Paul is a sent one. Paul is a missionary, and Paul was a missionary. We know that Paul was one of the most effective missionaries that the Christian world or the lost world even has ever seen. He says, I'm sent. I'm sent with this gospel. But then he says, I am separated unto the gospel. The word separated there is an interesting word. It literally means I have been We would say glued to the, I have been attached to the gospel. I'm attached to the gospel. I'm separated to the gospel. In other words, Paul could adequately and safely say, he could say, man, I'm glued to the gospel. Whenever you think of me, you ought to think of the gospel. Why? Because he says, I embrace it. I've embraced the gospel for myself. I've been separated unto the gospel. Now obviously implied in that is the fact that he believed it. It wasn't just a head knowledge. But I mean he believed it with all of his soul. I've embraced the gospel. I believe the gospel. I believe, yes, in the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus. But wait a minute. I believe it was for me. I personalized that in my life, he said. 
wasn't just a message that was declared. That wasn't just an event that happened in around A.D. 33 on a spring Friday morning on a hill outside Jerusalem. No, friend, that was for me, Paul said. I have embraced that for myself. I believe the gospel. Can you say that? Without hesitation, without reservation, that has nothing, nothing to do with church membership, has nothing to do with baptism, that has nothing to do with good works, that has nothing to do with any kind of outward spirituality or religion or anything like that. Friend, that is very, that's deeply, deeply personal. I, Christian pal, I, I believe the gospel with every fiber of my being. I believe Jesus Christ died for sinners. I believe I am lost. I am a sinner. I believe that. I believe Jesus died for me. And I believe Jesus died for you. And I believe that that gospel is powerful. And I believe that it makes changes in people's lives. And I believe, according to Scripture, that a man and a woman who really believes the gospel will not remain the same. I believe that the gospel has practical implication in every single life. That's why you say, preacher, why, are we, why is it so important to promote the God? It's not just important to promote it. It's vital to personalize it. Again, I say what I quoted last week. J.D. Greer said, and I believe it's true, the gospel is not just the diving board that gets me into the pool. The gospel truth and the gospel message is the pool. It's the essence of Christianity. You will never go past the gospel. You will never go deeper than the gospel. You will never go higher than the gospel message. It is our message. It's the fountain from which every message about Christ flows. Everything about your life and mine ought to be anchored and saturated in the gospel. It's the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that message, and when you understand it and you believe it, that's what sets you free. That's what causes the change to fall in your life and in my life. That's the gospel message. And Paul said, I want you to know, friend, I embrace it. I believe it. Do you? Oh, dear friend, hear me. Hear me. I'm convinced. I'm convinced that every church in this county, including this church, is filled with people that are religious, but they're lost. Because you've never been transformed by the gospel. You might have joined something and signed something and muttered something and done something, but you aren't saved because you have never come to that point in your life when once and for all, for yourself personally, you have embraced the truth of the gospel and made it yours. Would you do that today? Some of you sitting here say, Christian, if I do that, 
I'll disappoint somebody. What do you mean? Well, they already think I'm saved. Friend, listen carefully. I promise you that a born-again child of God, that if you give your life to Jesus Christ today, there is no Christian that will be disappointed in that. You know why? Because every single one of us in this room have been right where you are. (laughs) That's the greatest decision anybody could ever make. Will you do that today? Paul said, I I have embraced it. I believe it. It's not just a secondary message. It's the message. It's the primary message. Are you passionate like that about it? Then he said, number two, for me to not be ashamed of the gospel means I'm not ashamed to express it. Notice what he says in verse 15. I am ready to preach the gospel. I'm ready. As we say around here, I'm sitting on G, waiting on O. I got my gospel gun ready to fire. I'm just looking for an opportunity. And boy, he did take those opportunities, didn't he? Every chance he could. Everywhere he went. He was on a boat, a ship. He gave the gospel. If he was in prison or in a jail cell, chained, attached to a centurion, guess what he did? He was giving the gospel. If he was in the marketplace making tents, guess what he was doing? He's giving the gospel. He was trying to start a church, he was giving the gospel. If he was meeting in a synagogue somewhere, he was giving the gospel. If he was standing in the courtyard at Athens, he was giving the gospel. He was in front of a king, he was given the gospel. If he was in front of heathens, he was given the gospel. <laughs> if he was in front of religious people, he was given the gospel. He was ready to tell it. Tell it. I challenge you, number one, to believe it. I challenge you, number two, church. Tell it. You know what we say? Put your money where your mouth is. Hey, watch me right here. Watch me right here. Everybody, everybody right here. Watch me right here. Watch me. It's, hey, hey, it's time to put our money where our mouth is. And you know how we do that? By telling the message. If you were to sign a document today on your way out that says, Do you believe the gospel? The vast majority of you in this room would say, yeah, I believe the gospel. Well, do you ever tell anybody? I'm not playing games. Listen, I'm not playing games. I'm not playing games today. I'm asking you, do you believe it enough to tell somebody about it? Because until I believe it enough to tell somebody about it and to share it, do I really believe it? You don't have to tell it like I tell it. Tell tell somebody. Well, I just don't talk to people, Brother Christian. I love you, but that's baloney. You talk to people. And so do I. 
don't give me that mess. I love you, but you talk to people. You talk to people about your business. You do. You talk to people. Some of y'all are salesmen, saleswomen. You talk to people all the time. Don't tell me you don't know. Well, I just, I don't know how to. You know how to talk to people. You're like me. I talk to total strangers about whatever. I probably tell too much information about myself. Me and the chicks down at Bojangles, they, 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 they love me. I promise you right now. They know me. They, that's the preacher down there. Here comes the preacher. We talk about everything to everybody. Except it seems like the most important thing. God is going to put somebody, he is, he's going to put somebody on your heart to share the gospel with. Tell them, friend, tell them. You say, man, Christian Powell, what if I make them mad? You've heard this before, but listen to me. Friends, I mean, if you make them mad by lovingly telling them the truth, You've done what you're supposed to do. They're already lost, gang. They're already lost. I'm, listen, listen, they're already lost. Somebody, somebody's got to tell them the truth about how to get to heaven, about knowing the Lord, about their lives being set free, their lives being changed. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. That means, number one, I believe it. I've embraced it. Number two, I express it. I tell people about it. Are you doing that? Scott Pauley said, America is the land of the overchurched and the underreached. Last time I counted, there was about 250 churches in Wayne County. Did you, <laughs> did you hear what I said? About 250 churches in Wayne County. <laughs> guess, how many pe- guess how many people on average are in, Wayne, are in church right now in this county? Seriously. About 15,000. And we have a population in our county of over 100,000. So at the very most, about, 15, 000, about 15% of our population is churched. Let that sink into you. Listen, we don't need another church in Wayne County. We need more of the gospel being spread in Wayne County. The problem is not the fact that here in the Bible Belt in Wayne County we need another storefront church building. Now, I'm not against, uh, hey, if God leads somebody to start a church, more power to them. But that's not our problem. Our problem is we got a bunch of self-professed Christians that have spiritual lockjaw. And we're not telling it to anybody. We're not passionate about it. We're, we're, we're not, that, and, and that might be the issue. We're not passionate about the gospel. 
Because if we were, you would tell somebody. You don't have to stick a gun to my head and force me to tell somebody about the hills. Some of y'all already been talking smack to me this morning. I, I, I'm telling you, it's messed my spirit up today. It's already Don Johnson. <clears throat> but I mean, it's a, no. All right, hey, hey. I, and look, I, I, I am unashamed, Tar Heel fan. Whether that's good, bad, ugly, right or wrong or indifferent. I am. Hey, come on. <laughs> look, sister, I'll give you a hundred for that amen right there. If I can duplicate that on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, my goodness. Hey, y'all know what I'm talking about though, right? Whatever I'm passionate about is going to come out my mouth. Same thing with you. It might not be a sports team, it might be a hobby for you. For some of you men, at least it used to be, you were passionate about NASCAR. When it was worth watching. But anyway, that's. Can I get an amen right there? Oh, number three. All right. Going back to my redneckism. All right. That's what you talk about. Some of you are passionate about farming. Because that's what you do. That's what you're passionate about. That's what you talk about. You get with other farmers and you, you're asking them, hey, how much rain you got? Been able to get in the field yet? That's what you're passionate about. And we're all, pa- whatever you ladies are passionate about, I'm going to stay away from that one right there. I don't know. But anyway, you talk about it. Right? Oh, would to God, listen carefully, would to God we get passionate about the gospel. Because if we were, I'm telling you right now, we'd be telling it. We wouldn't have to think up a little slick, one minute, six second, uncool video with a pastoral staff looking like Goober standing in front of a camera. <laughs> Y'all don't look like Goobers. Y'all are awesome people. I'm, I'm the, the last one was the Goober, okay? Why are we doing that? Because we're trying to do something to get somebody to think to share the gospel. Paul said, I believe it. Paul said, I'm telling it. And then he said, I close with this. I'm not ashamed to embody it. I'm not ashamed to live it. I'm going to live out what the gospel means. I'm going to live out the gospel. Christian Powell, what does that mean? That means I view my entire life and every aspect of my life through the lens of the gospel, through this lens right here. It means I view other people through this lens. See, the gospel says I'm totally lost, and I am. The gospel says I'm totally unworthy, apart from Jesus. The gospel says I'm totally insufficient. <laughs> But the gospel also says Christ is totally gracious. It says that Christ is totally worthy. (laughs) And it says that Christ is totally sufficient. (laughs) 
I heard a pastor this week say, Pastor Bruce Frank, he said he was talking to his church and he said, you know what? People say Christianity's a crutch. Christianity's a crutch. He said, folks, Christianity is not just a crutch. Christianity is the whole stretcher. (laughs) Think about that, he said, because it's not about how strong you and I are. It's about how strong Jesus is. And we need a stretcher because we don't have any ability to come to God on our own. Somebody say amen right there. (laughs) I like that. You see, the gospel produces within me a desire to walk in genuine Christ-centered holiness. It does. Causes me to want to reflect the greatness and glory of Jesus in my life. That makes Jesus in his word my standard, my motivation, my guide. Not the opinions and standards and preferences and lists of other people. This is the opposite of legalism which reduces spirituality down to a list. And what I'm talking about this morning is the opposite of looseness, which removes all standards of right and wrong. Neither of these are biblical, nor are they honoring to Jesus. But living life and viewing life through the lens of the gospel is a true biblical balance. It's living life for the pleasure and smile of Jesus alone. It's Matthew 5, 13, you're the salt of the earth. Verse 14, you're the light of the world. Verse 16, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works. And then they will glorify your Father, which is in heaven. See, it causes me to view every aspect of my life through the lens of the gospel. And I'm going to live my life transformed by that. That's why I give. That's why I share. That's why we go. That's why we treat people the way we do. It's through the gospel. Not forced. But it's a gospel motivation. A Jesus motivation. And then it produces within me a desire to walk in humility toward other people. You see, those who have embraced and experienced the gospel of grace should be most prone to extend and express the grace of the gospel to other people. But sometimes Christians can be the least grace-filled people around. We can be the harshest. And it really comes down to what crowd you identify with in the story there in John chapter 8. The woman caught in adultery. You had the woman who held on to nothing but guilt and mercy. And then you had the crowd that held on to nothing but accusations and rocks. What crowd are you standing with? Who do you identify with? And as the Holy Spirit of God is making his way around this auditorium, if many of us were honest, we more readily identify with the crowd standing there with self-righteous accusation, and we've already picked up a bunch of rocks. And I'm saying this in the name of Jesus Christ. It's time to throw the rocks down. Because every one of us 
in ourselves stand guilty and accused before God just like that woman and all we can do is plead for mercy and grace and aren't you glad he's ready amen <laughs> do you believe the gospel seriously for yourself have you said yes to Jesus do you believe it enough to share it and tell it to people who are you going to tell today who are you going to tell this week a co-worker a classmate a coach a teammate a neighbor a relative business partner a customer a patient a student who are you going to tell and are you going to let the truth of what you know here and here live itself out here about how you treat people how you love on people and with humility how you live your life I even said this to my wife yesterday, and y'all may think I'm crazy. I said, honey, I said, I even believe that a transformed life of Jesus Christ, that it even impacts how we take care of the stuff God gives us. I believe that. Driving around Wayne County in Goldsboro yesterday and just seen a bunch of run-down mess. You're like, are you busting on? But no, no, I'm not busting on anybody. I'm saying that, brother, I believe the Word of God teaches that when you understand that all of life, He gives to us as stewards to reflect His glory and greatness. It's going to help me want to take care of the stuff He's given me. I'm not going to let it get run down. I'm going to wash it. I'm going to mow it. I'm going to keep it clean. I'm going to keep it up the best as I can. Why? Because I represent Jesus Christ. Wow. But that's true. You see, that tells me that the true gospel hadn't really made inroads into how we live as Christians in our county. Tonight, tonight, we're going to talk a little... I'm going to share a little bit about my trip to India. But I'm going to tell you something, friend. We, 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 we can talk about sending missions and money to India all we want to. We have just a big, as, as big a mission field in Wayne County as there is anywhere on the face of God's earth. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Let's start telling it. I'm passionate about my Jerusalem. How about you? Let's see Jesus do something in our mission field here. Every single one of you are missionaries right here. You don't have to board a plane, a boat, a canoe, or anything else. You're a missionary now. God help us to be able to say, I am not ashamed of the gospel. And all God's people said, Some of you this morning, you've never, you've never personally believed that. But you do now. And God is leading you through his Holy Spirit to make that choice now. I want to invite you to give your life to Christ now. Now is the accepted time. Today is the day of your salvation, he says.
now. Whoever you are. And then to every believer in this room. Listen, I'm going to ask you to consciously, deliberately make a decision and a choice today that you're going to let Christ use you this week in your mission field wherever you are to share the gospel and to show the gospel.